So, a few days ago, um, I was sitting in the basement. I was on a phone call with my friend. And uh, Ranger, one of my cats, was just sort of going nuts in the other room. I could hear him bouncing around, doing his thing, living his best cat life, I thought, I assumed. Well, a few minutes later, he walks out holding a strange little thing in his mouth. I couldn't tell exactly what it was. It looked like one of his toys. Um, and I was like, oh, hey, buddy, what, what are you doing with that? And then he walked over and placed a still living mouse at my feet, at which point it <laughs> ran away and I nearly had a heart attack. Um, it's a sign of affection from cats, but nonetheless terrifying. Nonetheless, yeah. And that's the thing. I like mice. You know, I think they're cute little dudes. I they're like smart. them as a concept. When I am startled by their presence, uh, I'm less of a fan. So, yeah. Uh, Jillian's the only one who can see this. I am recording with my feet up on the sofa today. You know, just. Is the mouse still loose in your house? No. So I was going to um, I tried to catch the mouse for a little bit because I didn't want it to be killed by Ranger. And then. The mouse eluded me for a minute or two and I lost my patience. And then I just uh, I just called down the other two cats into the basement as well. And they all saw it. (laughs) And then I just sat on I sat on the sofa like a like a Roman emperor watching the proceedings in a gladiator pit. And I just sort of watched the, the cats chase down the mouse. Um, they caught it and you gave them a thumbs down and they killed it. Oh, yeah. They were operating on they knew it was thumbs down on site, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm sitting with my feet up today, though, you know, just out of principle. Uh, OK. On the off chance that any of the mouse's brethren them to seek revenge there well folks it's that great time of year that yeah, time this has of year nothing where to do you... with the, this week's episode by the way i just sort of had to get that one off my chest uh, the time of year where you gather around the tree with your friends and family and open presents and what's the greatest present of all well it just might be nostalgia critics final third and final film to boldly flee and if you got yeah, that well, here... for christmas i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, no, the greatest present is that we watched it, and, and you, you will not have, have to. to. <laughs> yeah, we watched it, so you don't have to, or something. I don't know. There, I feel like there's something there. Someone ought to make a catchphrase out of a similar they expression oughta. to that. They ought to. They ought to do that. And then maybe make a series of crossover films that become increasingly incomprehensible as time goes on, perhaps. Um, yes, we did our classic live stream. Uh, we... Uh, Joined in the Discord. There were several people popped in. Some people stayed for the whole thing. And by some people, I do mean John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Um, it was great having you. Um, boy, this movie is it's oh not good. God. I've got to say. I know we uh, say this every year. But we mean it every year. It's true. Um, to set To set the scene a little bit, there were long stretches of time where just nobody said anything in the live stream. And I think all of our eyes just kind of glazed over a little bit as we watched this upsettingly horny movie. Yeah, I was not expecting. I was not horny. either. Yeah, no, it, it, it sort of like drain your soul and your energy and you'd need a moment. It's mm-hmm. like a video game where like your stamina bar gets depleted by watching a movie and then you just have to like sit still and breathe heavily for a few seconds and then you can recover again yeah um i there's just so much happening at all times our notes became very abstract very quickly because Mm -hmm. this movie is 
let's let's start with a broad view. Yeah, okay. So it's thoroughly incomprehensible without a little bit of background knowledge, right? Even with the background knowledge, it's kind of incomprehensible. Yeah, but, but like you can kind of follow it if you understand why they're making it, which yeah. was at the time, Nostalgia Critic was embroiled in a little bit of drama. Not even drama. It was like a lawsuit, right? So there was there was legislation pending that was going to uh, impact the way that it was. If I remember right, it would make websites responsible for like all content that was uploaded, like legally responsible. Right, right, right. So it would have like cracked down really, really heavily on like film reviewers and things Fair like that. Fair use stuff. Yeah. Now, the other bit of context, you need, well, well, as you may imagine, all of the reviewers were quite displeased with this. And as we mm-hmm. said watching this movie, you know, for the internet and just sort of speech on the internet. I'm glad that uh, that law didn't get passed, that we didn't end up doing that. It does unfortunately mean that these guys still have careers. So sometimes well, I wonder if it's worth it. But, sometimes uh, you got to let the man win, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This was haunting. I, this It's just brutal. Oh, right. And, like, One other important bit of context you mm-hmm. need listeners you remember that beloved side character mati who shows up in like two nostalgia critic videos he's the one who dies at the end of suburban nights and whose ashes get shot into space in a quaker oats can- canister now if you thought that that was a stupid joke that they stole from someone else it was you'd be right but now if you thought that that meant that it would not be the central plot point of Doug Walker's magnum opus, his grandest film, uh, then you'd be very wrong, unfortunately. I hope you're ready for a lot of Mati lore, because he's so important. So much. Well, he's for- so important for this, and yet they couldn't seem to get the actor back, oh, which yeah, we'll talk Doug about is- a little bit later, <laughs> yeah. but fascinating moves all around. Okay, I'm coming back around to that Reddit comment we read earlier. I think yeah. it's a work of art. This movie might be unmatched. Like, there's just so... There's so many baffling choices. The the Reddit comment where uh, somebody said, "What what's your thoughts on To Boldly Flee and what the other critics think of it? Hey, guys, in case you don't know, there was an internet movie called To Boldly Flee, starring the Nostalgia Critic and other critics like Spoonie, Linkara, Cinema Stop, Nostalgia Critic, Chick, and more. Back then, I thought it was good and had some funny jokes. But then a video uploaded by Quentin Reviews, and now I realize it was bad. And many of the critic who star in the movie never like it that much as well. So what's your thoughts on To Boldly Flee? You didn't like before Quentin reviews? And now you like it and realize it was bad after Quentin? Did other critic give their opinions on the film? Give their opinion to the film? Let That's me know in the comments. Better. Anyway, thanks for reading. Uh, I love to give my opinion to movies. Did the when other critic Killers give the their opinion moon, to I... the film? <laughs> Yeah, when I was watching Killers of the Flower Moon, at the end of it, I stood up and I looked at the credits and I said, I don't think they should have done those things. <laughs> um, and then in the credits, it rolled by and it said, thank you, Matt. Um, <laughs> Martin Scorsese truly is a visionary. Um, yep. Okay, so this this movie, I guess we'll give a loose plot synopsis. Well, yeah, as best we can. So, guys, we're trying our best. I'm just putting this out here up front. I challenge you to watch this film and then come away with a better understanding of it than the one that we're about to give you. It is three and a half hours long. It's 
so long. Oh my god. The um the top comment on the version that I'm looking at on YouTube is uh you could watch Avengers <laughs> Endgame and this would still be playing. Which boy. They wrote that four years ago. So that was still a relevant comment to make as well. That's the other Jesus thing. Jesus Christ, you could watch The Godfather Part 2 and still have six minutes to spare. Oh, my God. It, this movie is eight minutes longer than Return of the King. I love how many of these comments are just going, why is this so long? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's weird that they built built a set for a game show, but not a single set for all the movies they made. <laughs> Um, I watched this full movie, stopping in the middle of the bunch of nostalgia critics of the wall as an intermission. Best four hours and nine minutes of my life. Oh, God. Um, man, okay, sorry, we're getting lost in the comments early, but we these are. are just delight. Um, it's funny. These, this was this is a special comment movie. section because no one likes him in it. Yeah, these are so mean. Um... Yeah, you know, it's funny. This was always a childhood dream of mine, getting a group of friends together, writing a script, and making what is basically an epic but cheesy home movie. Not trying to make anything good, but just having fun doing it. So that's a cute sentence, right? If we stop the comment there, you'd go, yeah, you know what? Maybe we're being too harsh on the guy. But Mm no, don't worry. We're good. Because he then follows it up with, it's amazing how one person marred by years of mistreatment, ego, and blatant mismanagement can make the idea seem so cringy and unappealing. I like Devastating um, heel turn. Yeah, no way I'm watching a near four-hour self-indulgent goodbye to a character that's still around. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about it. I forgot about that whole ending part. How could I have forgotten? I would also we'll like get to there. know. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We're also, um, there is one positive comment that I'm seeing, but we'll get to that one as well. Um, and that one has to do with a certain live-action interpretation that we both Slightly disagree with this commenter on. Um, okay, I, I found a long thought. comment. And I've only yeah, read the first sentence, but I feel powerful about this one. I love how often we can do that in the comment section. We can just call our shots. Like, we read a single sentence, we're like, oh, this one's going to be gold. I can feel it. Uh, please. Doug Walker will be remembered as a figure far more neurotic and convoluted than Ed Wood or Tommy Wiseau, just lacking all the charm. He checks all the boxes for be considered to be considered an auteur, Real life filtered into this weird fictional world. The power play and manipulation, low budget mishmash with a sense of grandiosity. You could even say that the never ending tip of the iceberg pop culture references is one of his motifs. This is, as a lot of his content, barely watchable, but at the same time speaks more about his person than any of his other childish projects. This is the embodiment of an evil man child nerd let loose, absorbed by his warped sense of self importance. This hits Chris Chan levels of internet archaeology. This this is a train wreck, a total train wreck. Doug Walker dug his own grave with this shit show. God damn. Um, well, all I have to say to that is what um, at Carol the Demented misspelled replies with, which is to say, underrated comment. Um, wow, that was devastating. And I agree with it. I think the only thing I would add is that I think uh, Rob Walker is also in uh, Rob Walker is also in an evil man child, and we need to make sure that he also takes some some hits here. But uh, okay, there's some other comments that we might circle back around to, but for now, I think we should dive into this movie a little bit. So. Yeah, okay, no, sorry. I, we, we definitely need to circle back, though, because I just found another banger of a comment. But yes, okay. so 
the first thing I wrote is we're so back. And I don't remember what that was in response (laughs) to. It might just be because of the fact that it starts with like a flashback to Mati's death that lasts for like two straight minutes. Oh, it's crazy. Um, um, like he I wakes said, I, up, right? Is that how it starts? Well, because well, remember, he like he has like a dream. Like the footage just mm-hmm. like plays. It just like zooms in while like this like maudlin music plays in the background, and it has this like it, somehow Doug has managed to make the shot look even bluer than it normally does. Incredible. It's it's fantastic. I didn't think it could be done. Uh, yeah, my I first. I made fun of Twilight for being blue too. Oh, he definitely did. Actually, you know what? I feel like even Doug, I think, might be self-aware enough to understand that that might be just, that's the one area that he really can't throw stones on. Is color correcting? Yeah, where he's like, I just, I color think i let him have that one. Uh, okay, so after, so, so after the flashback, minutes. right, he wakes up in full costume. Well, but first we have just terrible opening credits. I wanted to know, oh, that was my yeah, first Yeah, go note. ahead, go ahead. I just said opening credits are terrible. That was all I wrote down. Also, Lindsay Ellis is the second person credited on them, at which point I sighed heavily. But yes, then Doug wakes up from his dream, the flashback. In the hat and the tie, as one sleeps in. And he feels really bad about killing somebody, which is an amount of self-awareness I didn't know he could possess. Yeah, and yeah, I was going to say, fair enough. I'd like to know. Uh, also, I just want to put it out there. Uh, sometimes you do just go to sleep wearing a tie. Um, <laughs> sometimes it happens. Normally, it's not planned or intentional, but um, sometimes it happens. Um, and, and I don't think we should make fun of him for that. Uh, oh, we also get the um, whatever that guy's name is. I forgot. because We Evil get this spooning? technically. Uh, is that what we're calling? The, That's what uh, I called that- him in my... Notes. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, we get the terrible, terrible facial hair off of this guy. Um, oh, that's not Evil Spoonie. I was okay, thinking I was of say. Evil Spoonie, the character. This guy, I think I just referred to him as Goatee. Yeah, but it's, but Goatee, listeners, is sort of misleading. <laughs> um, He has just like a single tuft, sort of barely clinging to life on the front of his chin. Think of the hair like on top patch. of a troll doll. Yeah, it's like that, but growing out from his chin. Uh-huh. Um, and then whatever you're thinking of, make it thinner. I and did. And then you've got it. I found another contender for weirdest facial hair. On My mom was watching a cooking show. and <laughs> Those guys love to be wild when it comes to facial hair. Like, okay, look up Duff Goldman real quick. Okay, incredible name. And look at, like, any of the photos of, like, the wedding one specifically. Hmm. It's, like, the third one. Yeah. Look at what he's done. What has he done? I must (laughs) ask. He's, like, shaved his cheeks, and he's bald, and shaved his sideburns. And so his beard starts at, like, his jawline. Yeah, this is a strange look. How short is he? Next to his wife, he's really short. Yeah, I was going to say, she, like, towers over him. Five foot four. Oh, short king. Well, look, good on him for finding a wife. Um, That wedding cake does not look good. Oh, my God. Sorry, I'm He's known for making cakes. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I'm sure it tastes delicious. It looks. No, he's known for the way his cakes look. Oh, well, this one, I'm just going to take a screenshot and send it to you. 
He had a show called Ace of Cakes. Huh. That was popular in the mid-2000s. I'm going to come out and say it. I think that the cakes that I have baked in my own time uh, look better than this one. I am currently Uh, in the process of baking a Yule log, so I'll let you know how that goes. Yes. I love a good Yule log, personally. I have to ice it, but that's my icing is setting right now. But (laughs) it's in the fridge. Yeah, you know, look. I've rolled it, and the rolling part went well. So I think I'm in the clear on the Yule log situation. You think that any bakers have ever gotten in trouble for, like, they find a pre-rolled Yule log in his, uh, in his... <laughs> they find a little Debbie Swiss roll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sen- I've sent you a picture of the cake. I don't think this looks good. Really under any interpretation of the Oh word. my god, is the briding room a hot dog on top? Yeah, I can't tell what's going on up there. <laughs> The coloration. Is that his wedding? Yeah, it looks sickly. Like, the cake looks diseased. Uh, Like, at best, we're going for, like, fancy bathroom countertop. You know? Like, that's what I that's what I see when I look at this. At worst, I think really, really badly maintained bathroom countertop. Um, Maybe used cigarette filter. Like, these are the, the images that come to my mind. Huh. Very weird. So there's other... That's the groom's cake, I think. Because, like, the other wedding cake that they had is very pretty. Hmm. It's like a five-tier white. So this one's for him. This one's just for him. This is the passion project. This is a special little treat. Yeah. When I got married, I told my wife, I said, now look, I need you to know, my first love will always be making terrible cakes for just myself. But (laughs) you will always be a close second in my heart. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, anyway. So we right, get yes, right. facial hair guy, goatee. Um, he, like, spots something weird in space, and that's really all that we get. Uh, yes. From him. And then Doug wakes up. He's experiencing death. I'm experiencing grief. I wish he was experiencing <laughs> death. Bah, that would make it a much better movie. Not uh, yet. Not yet. Not yet. No, it takes, it takes long enough to get there that we can't even be excited when it happens. No, uh, we can't. Um, he is immediately placed under house arrest, which I like. Yes, they go to his house and inform him that he's been placed under house arrest. <laughs> Which you know, I love. Like you do. Like, he gets arrested and sentenced at the same time. Yeah, and look, swift trial. I appreciate it. Um, Fair? Swift, yes. Strange. Yeah, because I think that they do say later on that, like, his trial isn't going to happen yet. And I think, so it seems like he doesn't really understand that, like, the way that these sorts of things work. Like, there's they, no way... They'd put you on house arrest waiting for your trial. That's not a thing they'd do. Yeah, I don't Is think it? They, I don't think so. It can't be, right? That doesn't sound... Like, unless you, I mean, like... maybe you could negotiate it. Yeah, but, like... But, like, they put like you under arrest first still, right? They're not just like, yeah. you can't leave your house now. Yeah, they, like, show up, and they... Yeah, like, you know, that famous arc in The Sopranos, where the police show up at Junior's door, and they say, well, don't leave the house anymore. Bucko, we'll see you at trial soon. Um, we'll see yeah, you at trial, not at court. At trial. Yeah, at trial. Um, <laughs> um, what would Franz Kafka have to say about Doug Walker's house? Frankly, anything that Doug has. Wow. Okay. So now I'm about it. I want more than anything to write a journal entry as Franz Kafka after watching one of these movies, and I might do that immediately after we're done recording. Who knows? Please. Um. Um, so I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, we quickly learned why he's under house arrest, at least kind of, because there's a what we assume to be a congressional hearing 
it's never made entirely clear. No, but they are in a room talking very echoey where there's people murmuring in the background. Yeah, they've turned up the reverb. There's constant murmuring, which it does, I really like. It implies that no one's paying attention to yeah, the proceedings. Yeah, not a They're thing that happens at court, right? Like, that doesn't happen in court. Yeah, and I feel like if only there was a word that, like, a judge could yell, perhaps, and maybe a small hammer he could hit down to restore mm-hmm. order to his court. There's but, not, oh, though. Unfortunately, unfortunately do- part of the law is you have to have it in a high school hallway. Yeah, <laughs> in between classes, too. In between you classes. don't even get to do it, like, during exams. No, um, no, 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 no. That interrupts the students. <laughs> I do like the idea of a, a judge, like... A terrible revelation is made, right? And, like, the jury all start, like, muttering, and the judge just crosses his arms and sits back and goes, I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if the defendant would like to share with the the jury what he was just whispering to his attorney, then I'd love to hear it. (laughs) Um, Now, I see he's brought a prison shank. Does he have enough for everyone? No? Well, he stabbed the bailiff. Can we, we... Is there something we can do about that? Can we put some more... Oh, I'm the judge. Cool. Thank you. Uh, oh, awesome. Like a substitute teacher who's just like somehow found his way into being a judge and doesn't really I understand. I would love topics. if there were substitutes for more jobs. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> I think I would kill it as a substitute. Frankly, any any job I think I'd be great at for just like a day. Sorry, the substitute president's cop. sick today. Here's Mrs. Malone yeah. from down the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're getting Matt today. Can you imagine Joe Biden just like walking into the Oval Office the next day and looking at Kamala Harris and going like, never in all my years as a politician, as a substitute left a note this bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Substitute bus driver. Uh, I'm just going like, all right, folks, I think we're going out of town today. Let's all go look at the Washington Monument. You know, I'm driving to D.C. Um, One of the astronauts was sick. We brought in a substitute, though. (laughs) It's just an 80-year-old woman. (laughs) <laughs> it's still yes. the same people stubbing as would be so they're either like 20 or like 95 yeah and and either like the coolest people on earth or just absolutely insane mm-hmm. uh, boy man when the substitute cop shows up you really know that you're rolling the dice <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i thought i was gonna get arrested instead he just put on land before time and i went all right cool <laughs> all right <laughs> Puts that on, pulls a hat over his eyes, goes to sleep, and all the reviews are like fantastic. He did exactly the same amount of stuff during that mass shooting as normal cops do. This was perfect. Um, look <laughs> out, reason. folks! We're getting political on the show. Uh, but um, oh my goodness, we're we're not even close to starting our review of this movie, are we? Um, oh, so also I- in the reviews, it does say based on a concept by Rob Walker, which I really appreciate. Yeah, that was really funny. A concept. What was his concept? What did he pitch? Seemingly, what if this movie, what if this like contract copyright law that we don't like, what if it was bad? Uh, and everyone went, oh, my God. I never considered oh that. My God. Uh, um, one of my favorite things, and I don't remember exactly when this happens, but it's like they put on it's uh, the scene wherever they're talking about space. You know what I'm talking about? Um, maybe. What do they say about space again? There, it's the, it's the, like, I don't remember what it was, but it's like a conference call, basically, of people from different planets. Oh, right, yeah, because they're, like, because they're talking about the plot hole. Jupiter. They discovered it. 
Yes. Yeah, and like the it's like the association of like space lovers or something like that. that yeah. Like, and it looks like he like put on face tune on all of them in this scene. They look so smooth. It's, <laughs> so smooth. It's so upsetting. Um. Uh. But oh wait, but before we forget about the congressional proceedings, yeah, oh, it's yes. worth noting. So Spoonie is playing a character from Battlefield Earth because he evil showed Spoonie. up in Doug's. Yeah, he's evil Spoonie. Different from Doctor Insano, Spoonie's evil mm-hmm. alter ego. There's regular There's a lot Spoonie, of Dr. Insano, and Evil Spoonie in this movie. And all three of them are evil, so don't get confused whenever we refer to them. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's Turl, I think is the guy's name. But he wants to ruin the nostalgia critic's life. And that's why he's that's why he's advocating for this law to be passed. Mm-hmm. And it's Why worth does he want to ruin the nostalgia critic's life? Ah! It's because he made fun of his movie. And... Turl is so angry at this that he's decided to personally ruin the lives of internet content creators. All of them. And it's worth, I just think that's a very telling bit of framing that Doug has put in here. That that's, obviously they're exaggerating it slightly for the sake of comedy, but that is broadly what they think is happening, right? Is that these people have set out to ruin their lives because they don't like the reviews. Um, yeah. Just worth noting. Anyway, uh, Doug attempts to Right, yeah, because it's near Jupiter, the plot hole. Sorry, let's return to that. Is that the point where, is it later on that the laser shows up? And like just, um, yeah, no, that happens in a bit. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, they just discuss the plot hole. They've discovered something strange near Jupiter. Sorry, um, guys. If our review seems rambling and distracted, it's because the movie was too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can find uh, a plot summary of this. That way we can sort of keep ourselves on. Track. Yeah. Doug attempts to leave the house and his house arrest bra- bracelet electrocutes him. Um, yes, a thing that also happens. Yeah, it's another thing that they do. They're like shock callers, famously. Um, Carol calls him up and he gives the incredibly topical burn to him. He says, you look like Coolio mixed with Jack Sparrow, which. I mean, even in 2012, I feel like neither of those references was really the top of the cultural zingers. Uh but yeah, Spoonie shows up. He's I, acting weird, pale. Oh, what have you got? The name you of Goatee, Paw. Paw Duggan. Like, P-A-W. Hmm. Well, I don't P-A-W- like that at all. D-U-G-A-N. Ah, oh, man. As I said when we were watching this, like, every single one of these guys, I look or at them Paul and I go. Or Paul Schuler is his real name. Hmm. That's Paw. not as bad as Paw Duggan. I don't know why he went with that. Paw Duggan sounds like the name of, like, a racist inbred villain from a less (laughs) intelligent spinoff of, like, Hillbilly Elegy, which I would like to note was not intelligent to start with. Uh, Anyway. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Yes, sorry, yes. Uh, Spoonie shows up and mysteriously alludes to the hole, which gives us a lot of very creative and clever jokes where Doug thinks that Spoonie's talking about, well presumably one of his own holes, um, mm-hmm. and is deeply upset by this. Uh, Spoonie, uh, sorry, Linkara sits at home. He's attacked by his robot alter ego, who we later learn. Mechara. Yeah, Mechakara. Um, we later learn in this movie, by the way, that Mechakara is just like, it's just Linkara, but he puts like a voice filter on. He doesn't even like pretend to have Mm-mm. robot Which arms or anything. so weird. Because they have so many robot costumes in this movie. I know. And, like, 
Linkara as like the annoying theater kid that he is. You'd think that he would like have jumped at the chance when he builds up his own like comic book lore about himself and gives mm-hmm. himself a robot alter ego. You don't even have to make it look very because, good. Like, it's so easy Lin- to have a charming robot costume. You the know? other two people who will be revealed later who get turned into robots have robot like reskins. Yeah, one of them is actually quite good. Uh, and one of them genuinely- is surprisingly good. It is phenomenal. Um, and, like, I don't know. I just feel like I would have jumped at that as, like, a chance to do something creative, right? Like mm-hmm. I said, robot costumes also are so easy. You don't have to do much, especially with this, like, sort of homemade vibe that all of these creators are doing. You can just, like, wrap some tinfoil around a couple tubes, throw that over yep. one of your arms. You've got a robot arm. Everybody gets what you're going for, and it's charming. But, yeah. no, it's just it's just normal Linkara. Like, even dressed the same, but he just, like... He talks like this, and that's the only difference. Uh, in this in this movie, it becomes apparent at this point that almost every angle is a Dutch angle, which yeah, is we, incredible. I think it was Truck was going to do a counter, but then we would just like we would get we would lose track of how many shots like be Dutch like angles five were or in six a back scene. to back. Yeah, and I don't think any of them are intentional. Like, the, the famous Roger Ebert quote, which I think actually might have been about Battlefield Earth, right? I've said it before. The, uh, he knows that good directors use Dutch angles. I don't even think Doug knows that. I think he just keeps forgetting to, like, level Strain the camera. Strain it out and yeah. put it up <laughs> higher. Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, this is the level it's at, so we're just going to look up at all these guys for this scene. Um, uh, anyway. So uh, Spoonie just, has lost his mind pretty much completely and goes comatose, right? Yeah. Uh. He vanishes into a coma. Oh, they also, uh, at one point, like the nostalgia critic and another guy who just sort of shows up, both of them are wearing wedding rings, which did lead me to the chilling realization that these guys have like wives that they left behind to film these things. And it's just so grim, you know, like, again, going back to the these things would be charming if they were like 13 mm-hmm. and not in their mid 30s. Uh, but anyway. They uh, when they're like looking at his like they're they're looking through his memories of Mati's death or something, and one of the character goes one of the characters goes like, well, this footage is too well edited for it to be a raw memory. I just re- uh, <sighs> no one has ever said that about anything that you have filmed. I've, I think I my memories my, are edited better than that. Yeah, no, it's, my memories of my blackouts are better edited than this because at least there. <laughs> It's a snappy cut. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, we yeah. don't hold on me blacking out. I I just suddenly wake up and I go, well, I suppose I'm headed to a new state. Uh, you know, like. Um, <laughs> um. So it's revealed that Mati's character is alive within Spoonie, right? Yeah. And this concept is never really elaborated on. They just sort of say that and we all, well, I guess, are supposed to know what it means. First they're like. Right? Doug, it's alive within you. And then he tries to like see into Mati and it doesn't work. And he's like, oh, never mind. And he's like, I guess actually, <laughs> it's alive in Spoonie. And it's like, well, yeah. why? Why did we do that? Well, I guess he, he doesn't fall into the coma yet, right? Because first we have the real, like the first of the yes. truly uncomfortably horny scenes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get another bit of like the, uh, uh, the, the space council. They're all meeting and mm-hmm. talking about the weird space stuff. And I think Sci-Fi Guy is literally the guy's name. Uh, a laser just shows up and blows up his entire house. And he's killed so from sick. orbit. 
and Angry Joe and Soul Patch look at best mildly displeased by this. Uh, <laughs> their friend's um, house explodes. An orbital laser strike occurs, and they go, "Ah, oh, that's a bummer." Anyway, I please, believe yes. at this point we get the reveal of the love triangle. Yeah. Oh, it's sorry. I I Which literally is, we talked I about it a little. Um, we talked about it a little last week with Todd in the Shadows and Lindsay Ellis. Yeah. So nostalgic Todd in the Shadows, and then I don't remember the other girl's name. Obscurus Lupa, right? Obscurus Lupa. Uh, that's right, Lupa. Yeah. Okay. So Lupa, Lindsay, and Todd, and Todd is in love with Lupa. Lindsay and Lupa hate each other. Lindsay is in love with Todd. Lupa doesn't like Todd. Yeah. And they're both obsessed with Todd. Well, they both, both of them feel the way they do about Todd because they haven't seen his face. Lupa's like, well, he's just not secure enough to show his face. To right. Me. Which is, frankly, a fair point. Um, if I was, like, dating someone and they, like, constantly wore a yes. veil or, like, a Phantom of the Opera mask. And I wouldn't even be like, I'm not going to date you because who knows what's going on. Under I'd, there. Be I'd be so like, curious, I mean, though. Yeah, I'd be like, I mean, you're not going to come on. We're dating. You're not going to tell me. And Nostalgia Chick, on the other hand, is obsessed with the mystery. Yeah. Um, Up until at least the Moulin Rouge reveal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she also looks 12 in this movie. I really don't like it. She has pigtails on and yet her cleavage out at the same time. And it's. Yeah, to be clear, she looks 12, but also has just her tits are just out. And it's really uncomfortable. I don't like it. Um, Speaking of good. uncomfortable jokes made. um. There are these two doctors. They're doctors, yes. So there's these two doctors. No, because they're wearing glasses and lab coats. Um, yes, we know because they're wearing glasses and lab coats. But this kind of reveals how bad Doug is at writing women. Yeah. I personally, or I've Rob. decided I think that all of the, the horny scenes are Rob. I can't explain it, but that just okay. jives more. And so Rob. Doug, he feels like an asexual being. I know that he's famously <laughs> not, and we've seen that in reviews. But I just need to believe it. You know, it's sort of Rob. like your parents. <laughs> Rob writes these two women as just so horny. Egregiously horny. For Spoonie. I want to remind you. For Spoonie. You. Now but look, Spoonie, as a guy who spent much of his life looking like Spoonie, there are women like that out there. But they're better about, like, they show uh, some restraint. But Not Spoonie, on the other hand, he's hot on <laughs> Rebecca Black, who yeah, is 13. He's... Yes, we did look it up. Um... But, but yeah. Spoonie has the hots for his sister because he reminds her of Rebecca Black. No, it's because Rebecca Black reminds him of his sister. Even oh, worse. Oh, reverse that. Oh, yeah, wow. Because, yeah, yeah that's like, bad. They keep, they keep like bringing up Friday by Rebecca Black when like the electrodes are hooked up to his brain. Because that's like, a topical it, reference at the time, I guess. Yeah. So like it, they like ask him a question and it's like I was listening to Friday by Rebecca Black. I do it like twelve times a day or whatever, right? And everyone goes, and he's Spoonie is objecting. Why would he do something like that? And eventually his brain reveals, yeah, it's because she reminds him of his long lost sister. And the first question that someone asks him when they hear that is, Spoonie, were you sexually attracted to your sister? Which I must say, a if crazy I learned, jump. If I learned that some my friend was listening to a song. Because the singer reminded me of their long, reminded them of their long lost sister. I would have a lot of questions. Nowhere on that list, I think, would be that one. <laughs> no. And of course, the time, the uh, you know, the machine does inform us. Yes, is the answer. Uh, I hated it. I, have, 
I hated yeah, I it so much. Underneath that little bit in my summary, I just wrote baffling bit for Rob Walker to write. And then in parentheses, I am certain that it was Rob that wrote this. Okay. One. You uh, know, we haven't brought up yet that we've missed. Who have we missed? Our secondary antagonist. Right. Mr. The, um, Prick. Yeah. Mr. Prick. Who it's never entirely clear what his job is. He's either he's a like senator or a lawyer or just a man a in business black. businessman. Because he yeah. wants to, like, sell commercials by taking down the internet critics. Yeah, and he, he rapidly oscillates. He's either, like, hyper, like, he's either, like, both. It's just so fascinating. Because in some scenes, like, the joke is, like, there's, like, one of the first things he says. He's like, I write internet policy. I don't understand it. And you go, oh, Doug devastating bit of satire there uh but then in other scenes like he clearly understands exactly what he's doing and he's doing it from a point of malice so his motivations are entirely unclear yeah as is his like actual job he seems to do he's just he wears a suit and that seems he wears a suit and is one of the better actors i'll say yeah no like he's having fun he's hamming it up yeah. He's just sort of like, because all he needs to be is like a slimy prick whenever he's on screen. And he does a good job. He's clearly he having fun. He dialed it up to 11, but it's yeah. not bad. Yeah. And considering how many people dial it up to 11 and are bad in this movie, I'll take a, uh, I'll take just a good, some classic little bit of a cheesy acting. That was fun, right? Like that, that sort of performance is, I think, what people are hoping for when they hear about these movies, right? Where it's like, yeah, it'll be a little cheesy, but there'll be some charm to it. Uh, and I regret so, to inform you all, that's really the only one that we get. Yeah, <laughs> so Mr. Prick comes in to the Doctors and Spoonie and uh, these three other guys who I I guess are kind of important because two of them are in a plot point together later on. It's like yeah. Cinema Snob, right? Yeah, Cinema Snob. And Luke. Is that his name? I think so. Just he plays Luke later, so we'll call him Luke. Yeah. We'll call him Luke. Uh, but yeah, the cinema snob who I know that his whole thing is that he's like a smug asshole, but oh my god, this guy is just so smug whenever he's on screen, and it's it's impossible to watch him. I just can't stand him. Uh, his line delivery is just atrocious. Uh, yeah, and then Luke is like his little protege. Yeah, he's just sort of like training this guy in being a pretentious film reviewer. Yeah, uh, and it's working. Yeah, he becomes a pretentious film reviewer. Uh, now my notes say, at this point, we started talking about Dalton Pruitt. Um, right. Which we did for about 15 minutes, and then we tuned back into the movie, and they were doing more Princess Bride references and also Back to the Future. Okay, uh, so uh, the Spoonie stuff happens. That's when the laser hits the sky and we get a baffling (laughs) scene. This is the only point in the movie where we rewound, right? Because we were convinced that we had missed, like, we were like, that can't be right. Whatever just happened. So a laser hits the sky and hits a bunch of people. And the first guy, he's wearing, (laughs) he's wearing a straw hat, right? And then the next scene there's a person in like clown makeup who's about to eat a sandwich. Yeah. And then, and then like, the plot right when he's about to eat up. the sandwich, it flashes to white. And then somebody in a I Heart New York t-shirt and a luchador mask 
hand is in the sandwich. So it turns from a ham sandwich into a hand sandwich. That's the thing. It's like, because we, while we were expressing our horror and confusion, it was either John or Chuck. One of them was like, no, I it was because like, turned into a hand sandwich. And we're like, no, no, we understand <laughs> that of the joke. It's everything else about this scene that is really confusing me here. It's um, it's at, hang on, I just pulled up the timestamp. 4445. Uh, 45. Yeah, 4445. It just, I I feel like it has to be like a fan submission or something. But that raises yeah, a whole next variety is a of other guy questions. Brushing his teeth with a stick. Yeah. Instead of a so tooth. yeah, this is this is the plot hole, the central like conflict of the movie, right? Um, so it's you supposed get to be it, like weird thing things are happening, I guess. Yeah, because that's what a plot hole is: is when all of a sudden you're eating a human being. Um, plot hole alert! I'm like watching well, like, cannibal. All of the other uh, ones, like a guy is like, on one side of the room, and then it flashes, and he's on the other side of the room. Yeah. A guy like, is holding a sword and then it flashes and he's holding like a stuffed animal. Yeah. In none you know. of them are there such weird costumes. Yeah. It's just it's baffling. All of it is very strange. Anyway, with the plot holes, like with the uh, with the the advent of the plot hole, they all realize that something is going awry. And so Doug calls in the Avengers and we get like the big mm-hmm. crossover. Everyone shows up at the house, which in a, I must admit, spectacularly lazy bit of writing. Doug has revealed that his house has been turned into a spaceship. So they, right. they don't need to do anything to change the fact that his house is a spaceship. Uh, it also lets them circumvent the entirely superfluous house arrest subplot as well. Uh, um, so they all get beamed all of the other reviewers get beamed into Doug's house, except for, and I don't remember her name, so Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, yes. Cowboy Bebop is confused because she still thinks that she got a free car, which is a flashback to Suburban Nights. That's a throwback to Suburban Nights, right? Yeah, classic little bit that that Doug did. Yeah. Yeah, so this girl... We didn't realize it because it's not a great impression, I must say. Um, but uh, she's doing Edward from Cowboy Bebop, which really just seems to be her acting very hyperactive while wearing a red wig. But being smart. Yeah, but also being smart. She's hyperactive, but she likes to invent things. Um, she's also... Uh, Wearing just, uh, I hate to, I hate to point this out. Doesn't it feel strange? It's the same as with Lindsay Ellis, right? She's wearing a very loose-fitting tank top and not a bra, and it's egregious. Like you're watching it, like please don't do any of the things you're doing on screen right now. I really just don't like yeah. it. You're yeah. acting like a 13-year-old. I'm not saying that to be rude. You're, the character you're being is 13 years old. Don't do this. Um, There's a lot of Star Wars references for the evil Spoonie scenes. Yeah. In fact, it's like uh, only Star Wars references for the evil Spoonie scenes. So much of this movie is Star Wars references. Um, uh, Prick has kidnapped Spoonie and put him into a cardboard box. This plot point, you might assume, will be important. It is not. It is not. It is just a small barrier for a character to overcome. Five minutes later, he is brutally murdered by another character off screen because he calls him short. 
Uh, and then that character shows up soaked in blood. With help me written on his back in blood. Which we spent a good deal of time speculating about how that <laughs> Because presumably in the process of brutally murdering Prick, he, I guess, turned around and held still long enough for Prick to write a message to someone out there that he needs help. It's a fascinating bit. Also, as a side note about Edward, that was the one positive comment I found was someone said, I can't believe this has a better live action interpretation of Ed than the official cowboy, uh, than the Which, official live action cowboy bebop series. I've never series. seen the official live action cowboy bebop series, and I assume it's not very good. But is this better? Is it? I feel, at best, it's got to be um, a lateral move. There's no way that this is. Good. You know, uh, actually, you know, right. I might just look up the live action Cowboy Bebop real quick. Uh, so yes, give me one moment. I'll. I'll be right back. OK, uh, as um, I'm doing this, we get a unnecessary Dr. Insano cameo in the middle of this. There's so much Spoonie in this movie. That, this is an aggressively Spoonie movie, a very Spoonie movie, if you will. A very Spoonie Christmas. Um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah live action ed no come on please google cooperate with me here um yeah at least the costume looks fine i don't feel like okay. i should go to jail for looking at her which is cool um yeah so doctor insano explains some stuff to him right yeah, Dr. Insano shows up, and that's when we get the Back to the Future bit, where he's like, you guys need to think fourth-dimensionally, which I was is a so strange expecting bit him to do. to do the pull out the piece of paper and, like, put the pin through it. and Yeah. Or, like, the bad, uh, what was it? Was it the Spider-Man? The, like, it's like a bowl of spaghetti. Oh, I think that was the Flash. Yeah. That was the Flash, where, uh, yes. Yeah. It's like a bowl of spaghetti. But that's is the thing. It... It's like, by this point, like, that sort of, like metaphor i feel wasn't that cliche like it would happen every now and then but it we hadn't reached like the metaverse the i mean the uh, multiverse sort of problem where every movie badly explains the multiverse as a concept um anyway yeah we but we get more spoony uh oh right i forgot and they build the spaceship they build the spaceship uh the sort of making of documentary for the spaceship is this prolonged bit where there's just a VHS like home video filter over it. Mm -hmm. Just sort of showing various members of the cast and crew getting into antics, including and Ed. The, sh the ship is Much called and someone is repeatedly trying to hang the sign. It's called the USS exit strategy. And the catchphrase is to boldly flee where no one has fled before. Therefore, the title of the movie is in the film. Yeah. Do you get it, guys? It's like. It's, it's like in the movie. It's like in the show. It's like in Star Trek. They did. Yeah. They said a thing. They, what if a thing was. What if a thing met another thing? Has anyone ever considered that? And yes, then they if have. you didn't get that it was Star Trek, Goatee puts on headphones with ears on it. Just like with taped little alien on. ears on like it. Little, little Spock ears just like it taped on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look good. We also get another scene of Turl, who you who uh, Jillian knows is Evil Spoonie. Mm -hmm. uh, just sort of doing his thing on his spaceship. Wow, and he Doug meets... and Goatee next to each other are evil. Yeah. But uh, Turl meets, speaking of evil Doug, he meets a character that I have referred to as Leather Daddy Doug. Um, <laughs> which we learned later on in the movie is supposed to be him, his version of Zod from Man of Steel. 
Yes. He does it's not look like Zod. Fascinating move. It's just Doug wearing like a V cut, like I mean a V neck leather shirt with his bare chest underneath yep. it. Um it's very strange. He and Turl are both like doing incredibly obnoxious voices whenever they're on screen, and that is a good deal of time. But uh yeah, and like I said, we just get like various uh there's a prolonged bit about Jew Wario uh reading a book by George Takai and sort of trying to do a subpar George Takai impression because he's the navigator of the ship. You know, like in the show. It's like the show. Uh, my note, I didn't even say why I put this one in, but I just went prolonged VHS bit. Then my next note is, why is this movie so horny? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so... <sighs> You get a weird scene of them trying to remove the ankle bracelet from Doug, right? Yeah. The ankle monitor. And it's in paw vision because paws filming it. Right. How could I have forgotten this? And charming little side. Surprisingly, don't really shoehorn in the saw reference, even though they're about to saw off his leg. Yeah. Like, I was like, have they seen Saw and they're just like not going for it or? I'm genuinely going to say I think they haven't. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, it's like it'd be kind of funny, I guess, if they were in like a dirty bathroom and he pulls out a saw. Yeah. Like, you know, a way to sort of shake up the uh, the endless stream of sci fi references we're getting with a uh, horror reference with like a very jarring sort of tonal thing. But the problem is. All of this movie's jarring tonal shifts are accidental. Yes. Uh, Which leads us, I think, to uh, sort of the next big scene that I can think of. Yeah. Do you have any objections? Well, I guess we get another, we get get more love triangle shenanigans between. We get the the cowboy bebop turns into Ed, right? Yeah. She's, I don't remember what happens. Let me see if I can figure it out. Um. She's sitting there. She's trying to figure out these plans with somebody else. And then the camera shakes and all of a sudden she's wearing a red wig and her bra's off. And you go, oh, good. Oh, yeah. This is just what this character needed, I think. Um, And now she's smart and not stupid and invents stuff. Uh, And then, yeah, Zod and Turl talk. We get some more love triangle shenanigans between Todd and. More Dutch chick. angles. More Dutch angles. Uh, uh, we also we get noticed, the first. Sorry, we oh, noticed sorry. Leather Daddy Doug has different facial hair than regular Doug, which gives me some hope because that means that this movie wasn't filmed in order. <laughs> it wasn't filmed sequentially, so we've made some <laughs> progress from Kickassia. Um, but uh, yeah, let me get an- it's another scene in which Ed and the nostalgia chick interact, and women in these movies are so mean to each other and really just unpleasant just like, she's a whore she's a slut i don't like her yeah like bitch. one of them makes a character one of them makes a joke earlier on about like the nostalgia chicks obviously stuffed bra is the wording that they use mm-hmm. which is an unpleasant joke also i hate to say it we can tell it's not because you have put the nostalgia chick in an incredibly low-cut shirt uh, <laughs> like come on what are we what are we doing which but, like uh, 
is fine, I guess. But, like, why does she have pigtails on? Yeah, don't make her look like a child. I'm begging you. Please. Why is it that all of the very sexualized characters in this movie are also children? Yeah, we get Lupin taught in the shadows, and she kind of explains why she's not interested. You don't show your face. And he turns around, uh, and Lindsay's like, yes. And then we get Cinema Snob and Luke talking in bed. Not in bed, like they're in bed together, but like they're sleeping back there next to each other. That'd be crazy. Just like a pillow talk scene between those two. (laughs) (laughs) And Jew Warrior is there. Uh, And then we get another robot. And this is the first robot that has an actual robot costume. And this is where we realize that they put no effort into Linkaris. Yeah, but it's also worth noting that the way that we get this robot is... It's a rape joke, right? Like, that's, I feel like oh, it's that's worth a, noting. We're not right? there like the, quite oh, yet. Oh, we're not there think. yet? No. Hang on, did I jump forward? Right, because we have the first robot. We have the, the mysterious man in, like, a mm-hmm. a suit who just yes. shows up. And this guy, this, like, figure in silver just sort of appears intermittently throughout the movie. And I then, will admit then, I was way off on my guess about who that character was, but we'll talk about that when it happens. The next uh, scene, we get the rape joke. Yeah, which uh, is. Good. Lindsay sees a cord going into a door and she opens it because she's like, what's in there? And then she finds Robot Linkara, Mechakara, and she's like, oh, no. And then he he kind of closes the door and then like stands menacingly kind of above her with like a drill thing. Right. Yeah. And then it cuts to a uh, film brain who still is somehow the most obnoxious person. In oh, all my of these movies God. Well, uh, so the scene with the drill reminded me a lot of like one of the slumber party massacres. Right. I think it's the first one <laughs> yeah, with the, with actually, the drill no, killer. Exactly, yeah. Right. Isn't yeah. that exactly what no, it is? Actually, that's well, that's a very good point. Because that's the metaphor that. in yeah. that movie, too, is it's supposed to be like they're scared of like sex. Yeah, and right, like that's like a classic slasher thing, right? Is like the yeah. destructive, penetrative object. Like you don't need to be a Freudian to sort of see yes. the uh, writing on that wall, right? But so, um, was this a reference? Because there's no way they've seen Slumber Party Massacre, right? There's no way. But I, because it's worth noting, it was an even more overt rape joke in the original, because the because then what happens, like I said, is Film Brain walks up to the door because he needs to get Linkara and Lindsay Ellis down to the main room. And he just hears like thumping noises and Lindsay moaning and goes like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll leave you two to it as he's like making these incredibly over exaggerated expressions. And like he walks away, which is just chilling. Like it's just an unpleasant scene. It leaves a very bad taste in your mouth. I but don't when, like it. To their credit, Linkara and Lindsay Ellis reacted with horror to this joke and said they didn't want to do it. Rob's fix for it was just dubbing in Lindsay Ellis moaning. That was the only difference. Um, Matt, I'm going to call an audible and say that we're going to do this episode two hours instead of doing a Patreon too, because we're already almost at an hour and we are nowhere yeah. close to the end of this movie. No, we're not even, we're not even, it is actually about this point in the movie though, that I did like move my cursor and we all saw that we were only an hour into the film and <laughs> just like it cried out in despair. So listeners, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. But uh, yes, that's a good, that's what we'll do. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Lindsay has been turned into robot Lindsay. Well, first yes. of all, what was the original scene? No, so like I said, it's the exact scene that we got. The only difference is that we didn't hear Lindsay Ellis moaning with, I guess, pleasure and like the sort of silly mm-hmm. squeaky sound effects that play. No. That was their fix for it. That was how they changed the joke. Um, 
But you will note they didn't change the joke. It's like I said, it's just it's very like I said, it's a jarring, like very weird tonal shift. And but it Lindsay, who thankfully both her hair and her shirt change, but also she has a little robot piece on her forehead. Like we can yeah. tell that she's a robot now. There's a she visual a indicator. Yeah. As she's clearly been changed. She's like moving in a more stiff and strange manner. Uh, Which also chilling when you pair it with the joke that was just made. But yeah, like I said, it's just a very ugh. it's not mm. good if this is an unintentional Mm-mm. metaphor. If that's just sort of your silly joke is they thought that they were having sex. <laughs> you go, well, I don't like that at all. This feels unpleasant, especially given some of the workplace allegations that have come out about many of the people in this film. But, uh, oh, well, he'll move right along because the movie does. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the movie does not spend time talking about that. And said it cuts back to Zod and Turl. And they're in their spaceship, which also looks like the inside of a house. Don't worry about it. Yep. Which, um, have we ever given a reason for that one? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're just doing their silly high-pitched voices. Someone gets killed, but the joke is that he's a red shirt, so he can't get killed. They find yeah, Spoonie is, finally. That guy, as a side note, it's the same guy who, like, played the rock muncher that we hated so much. He also yes. had an appearance in uh, the Moulin Rouge video. He does the same voice in every video. It's always off-putting and upsetting, and we don't like it. Uh, but throughout the movie, the red shirt is dying. You know, this incredibly creative and new joke. Oh, what's up? Oh, I got you. You're, one second. I see. Jillian has removed her headphones and is walking away. I don't know where she's gone now. Anyway. Yeah, so this joke that was tired years ago about uh, red shirts dying, is just it sort of happens all throughout the film. The red shirt will die and then show back up. And, oh, I see. Um, <laughs> and Jillian has returned and is making me jealous is all that I have to say. <laughs> But uh, that's also when we learned that uh, Doug is supposed to be Zod. And I. We get a long, long scene in which Pearl and Zod attempt to destroy the nostalgia critic and his crew. There's a prolonged action scene in which nothing really happens. Doug ends up dressed as Judge Dredd and he's running around in the field shouting that he's the law, firing a gun. The mysterious figure, the mysterious metal figure shows up and saves Doug from a a confrontation and then sort of vanishes back into the forest. And I figured the scene would end there, but no, the the action continues for like another 10 minutes. And like I said, I called my shot and I missed, which is to say I did write down mysterious figure is definitely Mati. It's I was like, that would be like a sort of, I was like, it's the sort of hack obvious thing. There's kind of a charming joke. Where Jew Wario is driving the spaceship, but he's using like a Wiimote. Yeah. It's a fine joke. It's marred sure. somewhat by the presence of Jew Wario in the joke, but uh, you know, that's. I do like, though, how even when everyone moves on from that part of the scene, he's sitting in the same spot, still holding the steering wheel, as if it like <laughs> has to be there, which I do kind of like. Yeah, that's a decent bit. Like I said, this three hour movie, this three and a half hour movie, it has a couple decent bits interspersed throughout all the rest of half hours yeah but yeah like isn't this also the scene where like several of them get captured and then are immediately uncaptured via Uh, teleporter technology 
Yeah, um, I think. Yes, and then Cinema Snob is kidnapped by a different man in a suit. Yes. Not, you know, the one who we've already introduced. This is a different guy. He's like the senator who wants to introduce the bill. It's called like Suck or something. This is again yeah. their, their internet copyright thing. Uh, Sorry, let's see, I'm what else do I have here? Trying I'm to the... get in the video to where we're talking about. Right, I forgot. They're so also... I guess no, we please. should mention that Doug has so many fun toys. Yeah, no, this movie is so, so much of this movie was just like John and us going, man, I wish I had that Nerf gun. That looks fun. And they're all just things that are not good. Um, yeah. You just gave a, a sort of sour look off to the side there, Jill, and I was just wondering, how, do you have a review to share with us? Uh, uh, no, no, everything's good. Um, okay. I was just, just deciding it. whether or not I was going to finish this bottle, and I decided yes. So. Okay, I see. Yeah, you, you took a sip and then just sort of looked pensively back at the glass and <laughs> figure out what's going on there. <laughs> no, it's just it's it's cheap Aldi wine, so it's fine. I see. Um. Yeah. Immediately after I had complained that the movie was too horny, uh, cinema snob has been kidnapped, and they go like, "Who knows what terrible tortures they're subjecting him to right now." And he wakes up, a sexy saxophone is playing, and a woman in a low-cut dress is feeding him chocolates. And well, I do want to mention that we, I think we skipped over the first shirtless man in this video, which oh, is, right. Who is Doug that? is, is that? watching the, like, instructional right. videos, and they're accidentally the ones in French, I believe. Yes. How and the I ones in French include a guy who I don't know who he is dancing only in basketball shorts and glasses. I think it's Jew Warrior, if I recall is it, correctly. It is not Jew Warrior. It might be. Is it not? It is not. They all look exactly the same. It can't. That's we get not a Jew shirtless Warrior. version of him at one point also in we this do, movie. We do, but this is not There's him. so many shirtless shots of these guys. They all blur together. But yes, this was a, one of the bits that they did where it's, uh, they only had one navigator on, like, the evil ship. And so they had to try and figure out, or, like, shield person. They had one person in this role. And they had to find the instructional videos. Yeah, we get the shirtless dancing. There's a lot of those in this movie. They yeah. all blur together. Um, yeah. Yes, we do. We get another... the, the woman and the man who is young and trying to be old. So they've like painted his hair gray. Yeah, they've painted his hair gray. And he just sort of has like the same hairline as everyone else in these videos. Um, right. With... So it's hard to tell that he's supposed to be like this older if you haven't seen the movie that they're referencing, which, take a shot, it's Star Wars. They're doing another full scene from Revenge of the Sith. Uh, he does, like, the Darth Plagueis the Wise thing. And if you don't know that, he's just talking very weirdly. They also do weirdly horny jokes in this scene. There's a There's, shot of, like, a writer yes, up in the closet. A female writer with chains around her neck on a laptop in the closet who, Matt, I don't know if you noticed this, but this might be the most chilling part. She is also wearing a wedding ring. I think that this is one, one of their, their wives. Oh, my God. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> oh, this is horrible. Okay, now, Jillian, I'm going to ask you. Is I think it it's worse? Jobs. Yeah, is it worse if she's doing this because she loves her husband and wants to be part of the movie? Or if she asked to be chained up for their movie? Which one mm. is more upsetting to Oh, you? no. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think about the second one. I didn't consider it until I saw the wedding ring and I went, oh, no. Um, 
Point being, everybody, apparently there's layers to this movie's psychosexual horniness that we hadn't even done. <laughs> Is this the point where into. we started getting all the gifts sent in the... <laughs> yes! Truck started sending gifts from some Tumblr page that's just like a dom with my body. Like, it's... And listeners, as someone who... I've spent a good deal of time I looking at my body. I believe you mean depraved alpha. I forgot that that was what he was called. <laughs> It's just like this guy like snapping a belt and yep yeah just like having my general posture as well it's um, just like a dude pointing at the camera and then saying like come here or like snapping yeah. a belt or taking his belt off or like thrusting at the camera like yeah, it's... i really like the i love how like they also again like me they all just have this sort of like ambiently gay energy about them as though oh, it's like well this is oh yes i presume what women enjoy the one with uh, the guy with the hand on his hip and he has the, the hand belt on his and he's hip, doing like a figure it eight it's fantastic um but yeah as i said like as someone who look i've spent a lot of time looking at my body i don't think it's very sexual i don't, I don't think it's very appealing i think it's very appealing in this sort of specific kind of context you know and he's trying his best anyway trick was sending those in so we all got a little distracted by that and so we stopped paying attention to the movie briefly because somehow that was a better thing to be watching than the movie. Um, yeah, the there's more out, like non sequiturs from like fan submissions, I think, because yeah. he's like it's all a green screen. Yeah, and then we get and some silly of- little things. At one point, don't they go into like Spoonie's empty home or no? That was the Moulin Rouge one. Yeah, this uh, one they go into. He's like showing him all the things he could have, and it's like. A luxury apartment. Right, yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah, it's... Yeah, because then they do the Matrix. Uh, and he's like, did you mean to write that many zeros? And he's like, I'll add another one. And then he, like, presses the button, and they're in, like, a grid. Yeah. And it, it doesn't look good, as a side note. And then we get Mati talking for the first time. <laughs> How could I have forgotten? The claw hole appears, and we hear Mati's voice, except... Notably, it's not Mati's voice. It took us a second. We had to figure it out. Until I said, wait a second. Is that Doug doing Mati's voice? At which point we all realized, oh my god, it is. Um, no good. And it's no good. It is not good. Um, we also, they go into Spoonie's mind in order to do this. That's where we get Jew Wario without a shirt on. Um, we're not yeah. quite there yet, I don't think. Oh, are we not? Because I thought that was when we got Mati's voice. Was when we meet yep, the plot maybe. hole. We saw the plot hole before, though. Right, you're when right. Doug and cinema, or Doug yeah. and uh, Film Brain film are talking. Brain. How could I forget? When the this shadows movie... bursts in on Mechakara yes. and Robot Lindsay, and, and she gets assimilated. She she pulls out the drill this time. Which I guess it's how victims can become perpetrators. I don't know. This metaphor is getting a little convoluted. Uh, I would love to do a Freudian reading of Doug's of Doug's video. Actually, I wouldn't. I would be able to, but I would not love doing it. Let me tell you. Uh, but yes. So Todd gets assimilated as well. Uh, Obscurus Lupa tells Doug that there's probably like there's there's a traitor in their midst. Uh, saboteur. There's a saboteur. Uh, and yes, this is the point when we go into Spoonie's mind and we see his perceptions of other people. Um, I just yes. don't like whatever this guy in the red shirt, whatever his name is, 
he is just so off-putting. Sorry, I just paused the screen on his face, and I'm just looking at it right now. So uh, they decide the best person to send into Spoonie's brain, though, right, is our favorite character, Film Brain. Yay. I was hoping yay. that we'd get four scenes of him mugging at the camera. He doesn't even really talk. He just, yeah. something about his face upsets me. Yeah, speaking of, I've sent some. He kind of looks like the kid from Incredibles Syndrome. Yeah, actually, you're so right. He looks like Buddy. (laughs) He looks like Buddy from The Incredibles. You're right. The kid who's supposed to be obnoxious and annoying, so you don't think anything of his dismissal. You're right. This would be a much better movie if Film Brain was a (laughs) disfiller. Wow, that blew my mind. I, I really, you did just. That was perfect. I haven't been able to put my finger on it until now. Uh, and I while he's either. in there, yeah, we see Spoonie's perceptions of other people, which is sort of like a, uh, it's, I imagine, a lighthearted roast of all these different characters. Except you know, if like, you imagine that Doug wrote them all, which is what we decided. Yeah, because, like, you know, Angry Joe shows up and he's like, I'm stupid and I have a gun. That's my character. Also, Doug's, Doug does not seem to like the Nostalgia Critic as a character when he writes this one. Um, no. Like, I do Spoonie like how it's, like, in the comedy cellar or something. Yeah, like, there's, like, a weird brick background for it is no spotlight. reason. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're at the Laugh Factory. Doug screams the N-word. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we get, like, an almost naked Spoonie emerging from his subconscious, making just a truly upsetting face, wearing a wig for some reason. We get a very effeminate Linkara first. Which, oh, yes, I forgot about the effeminate Lingara, um, <laughs> which, again, presumably written by Doug. Um, I'm just going to I'm just I've started taking just screenshots of the various guys faces in this movie, and I'm going to send them to the Doug's. Yeah, we get almost <laughs> completely naked Spoonie. like he's wearing what is practically a loincloth and a wig. Yeah, and it's just it's not good. It's His deeply upsetting. So thin. <laughs> We don't rem- again. I look as someone with this sort of body. I would appreciate. <laughs> I would appreciate these comments being kept to a minimum. But also, I've never filmed myself no, almost no. naked and uploaded it to the internet. So oh, you know, the arms uh, are. It's the green screen that makes oh, right, his yeah, wrist look yeah. stick thin. Yeah, like somehow even more thin. Uh, and this bit, to be clear, we don't remember what the exact context is. Um, but he like comes out and stretches. And then it, like, does a, from, like, toe-to-head pan of his body. Yeah, of his almost naked body. Um, And he's making a very strange face the whole time as he does it. He's just sort of staring off at the distance. And then, oh, right, I forgot. And then Doug goes, like, oh, wow, I bet Nostalgia Chick liked that. Um, Which is strange. I don't like... I don't like anything that just happened. It's all very bad. Um, are you watching it now? I can. I yeah. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> the green screen effects around his body just make it that much worse. Yeah, you're right. His arms look very spindly. It's it's upsetting. Um, it's human. Yeah, it makes his like it makes his torso look like large and round just because <laughs> of the fact that his arms are like sticks. He looks like a malnourished child, like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That he doesn't looks eat like the only bread. Yeah, like it looks like the National Geographic photo of a vulture stalking a child. Like that's what. 
Yeah, did you know the guy who filmed the Boldly Flea killed himself later on because he was so consumed with guilt about what he had photographed? Uh, but um, We go back to Cinema Snob's uh, whole Darth Vader thing, where what is evil guy watching? Wait, yeah, what is he I watching? I can't tell it's some, what like, this bad is. Movie. He's, like, watching a bad movie. There's a lot of, like, self-important dialogue in this movie about, like, the importance of art and criticism. Mm-hmm. And the bad guy, this is where we get, like, the Darth Plagueis the Wise speed. As he goes, like, but isn't it valuable in that he created art all on its own? Uh, and the cinema snob goes, well, I never considered that. Uh, maybe it's bad that we, like, viciously mock people on the internet for a living. Uh, it's not. It's actually good, and I'm glad we do it. Yeah, and as someone who viciously mocks someone on the internet, um, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> just putting that out there. Linkara escapes real Linkara. Yes, real That Linkara happens escapes. in the middle of all of this. Doug also has very clear razor burn whenever he's dressed as Zod. Sorry, I just noticed yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he, has he does. He different facial hair, but it doesn't look like his body's used to that fact. No, uh, no, no, no. He's definitely not. He has razor burn whenever he's in his not Zod, because that's when he shaved the, the sides of his beard and he just has the goatee, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. And also, while they're searching for, like, the mole, the traitors in their midst, uh, Jew Wario, like, pulls up, like, he accidentally opens up, like, a tab of furry porn or something, and then, like, goes, like, well, that must be, that must be Angry Joe's. Which, again, just sort of a, an unpleasantly horny joke and just sort of a, an unpleasant joke in general. Uh, Which, the whole traitor thing, I could have, I think, could have been spun into a much better thing reference, right? Yes, I was thinking that the whole time. I'm often thinking of the thing. But especially when you're doing a sci-fi parody in which an invisible force is slowly capturing members of the of your crew and you need to figure out who they are. Like, if they did, like, the electricity test thing or something, I would yeah. have been so here for it. Yeah, you do a blood test, and then, like, it, it could eat, and it could be, look, we're doing this off the It could be a big podcast. joke. Yeah, it could be a big joke. It could be just, like, you're showing various, like, you're showing them, like, bad video games or movies, and whoever doesn't scream is obviously, like, the imposter, right? Yes. Like, something as yes. simple as that yes. it requires a baseline, like, the just understanding of the characters you're all playing. Um, it You don't need to do a rape joke, even though there is, it's still rife with sort of a, a quiet sexual commentary, uh, RE AIDS. So we could even have the unpleasant subtext that you haven't thought through. If you want to, if you, if that's an essential for you, Rob, if that's important, hire us <laughs> to punch up your next script. Uh, Please. When you make your next crossover movie. Give us a role. Jillian and I will gladly do a scene in your movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Based on how they write women, maybe I wouldn't, but. Well, we would need to be able to write our own scene, to be clear. Um, yes. You can that, edit in our scene to your movie. We'll yeah, let you like, do that. Yeah, it's like a fan cameo. Um. Yeah, yeah, based on how they write women, I mean, they'll be quite disrespectful to both of us. Um, it's true. <laughs> well, now that I've cut my hair slightly shorter uh, and I continue to act and dress the exact same way as when I said I was a woman, I guess I'm non-binary now. Ooh, actually, was... <laughs> I don't feel good about that one. <laughs> Okay, moving this on. This time we definitely get Mati's voice, who's not Mati, because Filmbrain yes. is talking to him. Filmbrain speaks to him. We get more of Doug's hatred for And at this critics. point, we're like, okay, the movie's almost over. No. Wrong. 
hour and a half left. And you might be thinking to yourself, how? What has happened? What will happen? And listener, dear listener, we were thinking the exact same thing to ourselves as we watched it. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, so sorry, I'm just jumping forward. It's just so hard to keep track of all the various insane things that happen yeah, in this movie. Yeah, so the robots are tampering with things, which it's really funny because their way of tampering things is just turning mixers all the way down. Yeah, which, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, oh, I would like to note, though, yeah, because Assimilated Todd, this was the good robot costume we were talking about. Yes. Todd is wearing, like, a full-body RoboCop outfit. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it rocks. It looks sick. It's fun. Um, clearly, like, some passion went into it. Also, it's just, it is a decent escalation of the joke where no one notices that people are being replaced by robots. Yes. Just Todd walks in dressed like RoboCop, and you go, okay, that's a fine bit. I don't hate that. Um, so we're at, what is that? Three decent jokes in this three and a half hour movie so far? Yeah. Uh, fantastic ratio for the uh, the comedy film that we're watching. We go back to the Star Wars thing where man in the Hawaiian shirt electrocutes our businessman. Yeah, our businessman who is Palpatine, the man in the Hawaiian shirt, who we mentioned briefly earlier. That's the guy who was also looking with Doug earlier and like told him that his memory was too well educated, uh, too well edited. Um, yeah, because they electrocute each other, basically. Yeah. And Palpatine wins the electrocution battle, as he does. Yeah, he gets, you know, his face is scarred. They're doing Revenge of the Sith again. It's. There are other Star Wars movies, too. That's the most baffling thing about this. It's, like, the most, like, this era of internet mm-hmm. reviewer movie possible. Because they do, like, maybe two other differences, like, the other Star Wars movies. And everything else is Revenge of the Sith. Because you just know that they're like, that's the cool one. That's the only good Star Wars movie. Yeah. Anyway, we come back to yes. Film Brain. We get another flashback to them throwing Mati's ashes into space, which we needed that, clearly. We've all forgotten in the two hours since you've shown us that last. We really need to pad the runtime in this movie. Mm-hmm. They, Give us they more were flashbacks, really... please. <laughs> um, God, we're getting so tired, listener. Um, we both have our hands on our foreheads. <laughs> I, did, I didn't realize it until I looked up. We're sitting in the exact same posture right now. <laughs> we looked at <laughs> oh, oh god. Um, um Mati and Film Brain talk more. It doesn't really matter. Mati's just yeah. telling him what all of us already know and Film Brain is being the clueless self insert. Yeah. They do like the uh the classic like I said, there's just so many long Star Wars scenes. At this point they're like launching a counterattack on Zod and Turl. Remember those guys? I sure didn't at this point in the movie. Which, like, uh, what's the point of the Star Wars scenes? They have almost nothing to do with, like, Zod and Turl and the crew. Yeah, and it can't be to show off the good effects, because... There aren't any. There aren't any. Doug, I hate to break it to you, part of what made the first Star Wars, this scene that you're parodying, part of what made it so powerful was the special effects. Like, you know... It's 1974. Imagine going to the cinema and seeing Star Wars and going, whoa, I didn't know you could do that on movies. I think the same thing when I watch this movie, but not in a good way. I love uh, how they have film brains like going into Spoonie's mind outfit as like a CPAP machine and a bicycle helmet. Yeah, I. 
was trying to figure out a way to convey the strangeness of that vibe. <laughs> With, like, wires coming out the back? It's very weird. Yeah. That's what you do to get into someone's brain, apparently. Um, oh, fortunately, a Cowboy Bebop character gets electrocuted and is then cured of being annoying, is what my notes say there. Um, but is stupid now. Yeah, she is But still not stupid. so stupid that yeah. she can't figure out to is this no this isn't it yet yeah Never no because yeah this is the point she like she designed the thing she designed lupa lupa has killed the robots yes yes the robots get killed and as a side note linkara linkara you scoundrel when the robots get damaged mecha linkara like puts on like there's a bit of makeup oh there's you, sure, like a bit of metal you. underneath wow it. yeah there's shirtless Jew warrior excellent His we found him nipples are so bouncy What's the, uh, what's the timestamp on that? Because I think I recall. <laughs> Two hours, ten minutes. Yes. Oh, yeah, because I also commented on the strange just proportions of his nipples. It's very weird. <laughs> They're very um, large and bouncy, which I don't enjoy. Yeah. Oh, everything about this is just really upsetting to look at. Um, Todd in the Shadows tries to shoot Lupa, and Lupa's blocking it, and uh, Ju Wario is hitting Linkar with a fencing sp- sword. Yeah. I don't remember uh, what they're and, called. There's a name for them. I don't remember uh, it. Oh, unfortunately, considering the allegations, it's called a rapier. Uh, oh, ah, yikes. Boy, some comments write themselves. Uh, <laughs> and Obscurus Lupa overrides evil Todd's evil programming by saying that she'll go on a date with him, um, which I don't really like. But this is enough to make him not evil anymore. Uh and he defeats the uh, evil nostalgia chick by, well, before they do that, I forgot. There's the scene where, like, Lupa, like, slaps the nostalgia chick, like, 20 times and just calls her, like, whore, slut, hussy, and just, like, every, basically any misogynistic term you could think of, including some alarmingly dated ones. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, like a well-written female character. Like, hussy. Like, who yeah, gets like called said, that in the year of our Lord? When was this yeah. made? Like, 2011? Yeah, it's like, no, that's what they called you in, like, the 60s after, like, you slept with Lyndon B. Johnson. Like, what are you doing, Doug? Slash Rob. Uh, he takes off his mask, which overrides the uh, Nostalgia Chicks programming because she's we so horrified. the best special effects makeup that I have seen in one of these movies. Like, alarmingly good. Yeah, this is Mechacara. Mechacara right? Mecha gets yeah. damaged. And, like, one of his eyes is swollen shut, and, like, the metal is bulging out the side, and then it's, like, exposed in his jaw. Like, it looks really good. Yeah, it looks unironically good. It rules, which is why I'm so confused that Linkara never had any metal aspects of his costume when he was dressed as a robot. Like, he even has it on his hands. Like, the attention to detail in this part of the damaged costume is really good. Yeah. And we were all commenting on it where I was like, wait, this rules actually. Like the it like looks gross and weird and creepy. It's just a good effect. Uh and then it's uh gone and we don't see it again. Yay. Uh so glad they spent so much time and effort on that. Yeah. Film brain yeah, then comes out of film brain escapes. Brain. And he, he kind of tells them what happens. Terrible faces. Um, and he yeah. spends like two minutes telling them what happened, even though we just saw it. Show, don't tell. Or if you're Doug, show and tell. <laughs> yeah. Show, yeah. then tell. Yeah, like kindergarten, the same level of film school that Doug understands, right? Um, 
then we get the most overt Star Wars reference, right? Because they have Cinema Snob yep. literally dressed up as Darth Vader. And they argue about who's doing Darth Vader in, like, what scene. It's obnoxious. It sucks. I don't like it. But yes, the uh, the now-scarred evil senator is uh, there as sort of the Emperor Sidious to Cinema Snob's Darth Vader. Uh, Hawaiian the- shirt appears in front of Luke and tells him what's going on. Yeah. Because... I feel like there's no other way that you could have conveyed this information. Um, and then it cuts to Hawaiian shirt. This is another gag. Hawaiian shirt tried to appear to film brain and tell him what was going on. And film brain just sits in a corner, rocks back and forth and screams for 30 seconds. Yeah. And boy, if that joke was unfunny to listen to, imagine actually having to listen <laughs> to it like we did. Um <laughs> It was so bad. I don't think we were paying much attention at this point. I won't lie. No, we started to sort of zone out here. There's like a point where like Luke has a vision of the power of cinema. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess Edward hasn't been electrocuted yet. We get Yoda. Yeah, we get. Yoda's in this. There's a little Yoda bit for a little bit, which is charming. Then it's karaoke time. We're jumping forward to karaoke time. I don't care if that's what actually happens next, but. There's like a 45 minute gap in my notes because we were all just like. Um, basically, like we get a flash style. of, yeah, bad movies that Luke is watching. And he's like, wow, all these movies are really bad. It's incredible. Yeah. But there's it's like also Adam like. Adam Sandler. And then like really good movies all in the same thing. Yeah, so say, like there's also. Yeah, there's like the famous like movie where like the rocket ship hits the moon, right? Like that incredibly famous shot is there. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think there was a Lawrence of Arabia shot, if I recall correctly. Anyway, I think the thing is like whether movies are good or bad, they're still powerful. Which, well, I guess this movie has invoked a lot of powerful emotions. So, I yeah, certainly people. agree. Well, whether or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And then now they they have a plan, right? Because they've de-eviled the robots. This is where we realized it was Edward because she holds up a sign that says drawn by Edward. And we all reacted with shock and horror. Um, (laughs) But also, unfortunately, understanding because, yeah, it does make sense. We now we understand what she's going for here. Uh, Swinging for the fences, you know. And. Never let it be said that they're not swinging for the fences with this movie. Oh, they are uh, swinging. Now, they might. Uh, the problem is, I think that maybe they're playing the wrong sport, right? They're swinging for the fences. They are here to play golf, but uh, you know, like they're doing their best. Uh, we get, yeah, and like I said, their plan involves a distraction being launched while they go into what is it like lower the shields of the evil Death Star. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's look, we weren't really paying attention to the plan. Evil Doug and Evil Spoonie, and they have these three like henchmen who are all drinking cokes throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why they're doing that. That's I, probably a reference to like spaceballs or something. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't really care either. Yeah. Uh, um, but is this where things get weird with with Doug? It's karaoke time. Is, is it? It's karaoke time with their evil henchmen. 
Um, oh, hell yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. Hang on. I think things do get briefly weird with Doug. Because, yeah, there's another scene between, like, Film Brain and Luke that I'm just skipping over. And Film uh, Brain and Doug. Film Brain and Doug. There's, it's, it's also a Film Brain-heavy movie, which I'm not pleased with, I must say. Doug decides he's going to leave, and Film Brain is like, what are you doing? And, yeah, Doug leaves anyway, yeah. I think. Doug is, yeah, he's just sort of, like, ominously alluding to the fact that he knows he needs to do something. Meanwhile, evil Doug and evil Spoonie are trying to play apples to apples because... Yes. As I said... They're not cool enough. (laughs) He's not cool enough for Cards Against Humanity. And I want you all to think about what that means. Uh, Lindsay and I don't know this other guy's name come and they're pretending to be evil, right? Yeah, and they sing karaoke. But one of them is supposed to be mute. So we just get a duet of Lindsay and Doug, which after just watching the Moulin Rouge review, we did not need. We didn't need even more of Lindsay and Doug singing. But boy, we got it. Um, Oh, another evil screenshot headed over to the Doug's zone now as they're all singing. Um, You get some great JPEG compression here. Uh. Yeah, uh, they all sing, and then... They sing, and notably, they both sound fine when they're singing, like, the two notes in their range that they've that has have been written for them. But so much of it is, like, way above Lindsay's comfortable range and way below, and below Doug's Doug's. range. Doug is and a tenor so, and Lindsay is an alto, and it's written for a baritone and a soprano. Yeah. And, like I said, they, they don't have awful voices. Um... But I can certainly envision ways in which their voices could sound a lot uh, better. While this is happening, Angry Joe and, I don't know, Purple-Haired Girl, I don't know her name, um, yeah. are doing, like, Solid Snake, right? Yeah, yeah, they do a Solid Snake reference, and that one made me very angry. And also, we did just, like, talk about Metal Gear for, like, 15 minutes and sort of lose track of the video. Uh, because, yeah, they like, he hides in a box. And it's like, isn't it silly that you can hide in a box in Metal Gear? It's like, yes. It is. Everyone knows that, guys. But everyone, yeah, even if they haven't played Metal Gear, have played like Smash, right? Yeah. Like, come on. We all know who Solid Snake is as a concept. We all know it's a little silly. That's the fun of Metal Gear. Uh, and then we just started talking about Metal Gear for a while. Um, oh, and, and then, they're still karaoke throughout all of this. I want They're still karaoke. The song lasts so long. Doug is in his car, and his car is driving through space. And yeah, Evil Spoonie is, is following him in a spaceship. So do you need a car or a spaceship to get through space? Eh, either one works. Yeah, it's sort of, you know, uh, whatever you've got on hand, I guess. Um, and yeah, Evil Spoonie's firing at him. And then I believe the mysterious metal figure shows up again and saves the day, right? Um, um, then let's Doug see, firing at Doug, firing at Doug, more karaoke, more dancing. Ah, this is the point. He picks up the mic. As well. Doug um, looks so smug in his Leather Daddy Doug outfit. I know. It's so upsetting. Everything about it is just so upsetting. Um, his slicked back hair as well. Uh, Doug starts singing, and then it's a duet of Lindsay and Doug. He hides in the box. Um, more chase. Yeah. The henchmen yeah. are shooting. Everyone is shooting. It's a big fight scene with the karaoke going on in the background. Yeah. The masked the figure saves scene, the day. Yeah, it's just interminable. Yeah, but the, the masked figure, figure saves the day, and Doug flies into the plot hole. Uh, 
Um, and then Evil Doug figures out that Lindsay and other dude are intruders and sends everything. Yeah. So but even action ensues. Big roundabout joke. They put sugar in all the lasers. We didn't mention this earlier. Because it's a bad joke. Because it put sugar doesn't in. matter. Yeah, they loaded up some other gun with sugar earlier. It didn't work. And then they did that to the Death Star's lasers. So now that doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. Spoonie's awake now, by the way. Writing a technically proficient joke. Up next, make it funny. Maybe uh, if yeah, like the jokes weren't two hours apart, it'd be better. Well, here I even I can even enjoy a joke that's like that. It just again it has to be like clever. Like you know, <laughs> Catch Twenty Two is like very fun because of the fact that with its like very weird structure. Yeah. A lot of the jokes, like you know, the setup is like. 80 pages, pages before, before the punchline, yeah. yeah. And you find the punchline, you're like, oh, that was, that was pretty funny. But it's because it was already funny. Like, the setup was just sort of charming and funny on its own. And then you get cleverly reminded, and it's recontextualized. It's not just the same thing happens again. But Ugh. we're almost there. We're not even, we're not almost there. We've got, like, 50 minutes left. But uh, but we're to the interesting part, pretty much. Yeah. Doug, Doug drives into the plot hole. We get more Luke and Darth Vader stuff. The Death Star's lasers don't work. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, lightsaber fight. Yeah, and it's worth noting, we've been referring to Doug. What we mean is the nostalgia critic. The I'm sorry. The character played by Doug. I'm so sorry. No, sorry. I've, the I've nostalgia been guilty about that, too. I've been slipping up this whole time. But it comes important. Doug has not been introduced yet. You're yeah. right. Because what does the nostalgia critic find when he flies through the plot hole? That's right. He meets Doug Walker. The writer. Fantastic. Um, and the nostalgia critic complains that this is a hack bit. And I'm sorry, you don't get to make that complaint, Doug. I'm you wrote it. You wrote it. And you can do that sort of thing sometimes in a, like, a charming way if everything else you're doing isn't also hack and bad. But as is, sorry, you, you've just lost your right to do this. Yeah, uh, so he's sitting on the couch and then Doug comes brushing his teeth and he's like oh my god it's a nostalgia critic except he's not actually that surprised because he wrote it yeah and nostalgia critic was like oh my god it's doug yeah doug is like doing adaptation right now it's fascinating i love charlie kaufman doug um there's more lightsaber fighting between luke and darth vader they do the luke and darth vader thing and he's like i don't want to fight you yeah like beat for beat it's it's the the thing is crashing. Edward is gone. And they're like, wait, we need Edward. And Cowboy Bebop is like, I don't know how to work a blue shell. Because that's what's going to do uh, it, I guess, is a blue shell. It's all a Mario game. Kart reference. It's fine. Yeah, because they've been shooting, like, red shells. And like, yeah, and green even shells. Even more powerful than, than a, a red shell. Oh, my God. This movie is... Oh my God. We're ju- I'm just so tired. <laughs> but yes, that was like the clever design that Edward had come up with was a blue shell. Um, and as a side note, the like the conflict around her not being Edward anymore doesn't ever really matter because they do just basically no. immediately solve it anyway. They're like, uh, oh, if everything she says is wrong, we'll just do the exact opposite. And that works. So. Yeah. So great. Cut back to Doug and the Nostalgia Critic talking. Doug explains to the nostalgia critic kind of what's going on, right? Yeah, and he goes like, "Yeah, you're a you're a character that I created, and you were actually 
pretty important. Uh, you were actually very... really important and popular to the wider internet audience, and they really loved you. Yeah. And then he starts explaining to Doug, that, I mean, he starts, sorry, to the Nostalgia Critic, that the Nostalgia Critic as a character has grown greatly. Where he's like, think about, like, you know, the self-important jerk from Kikassia. Would he care about Mati or anyone else? No, because you've you've taken on a life of your own beyond my wildest expectations. Um, it's and so it, self-indulgent. It, and, and, it, and it's not good. It's bad. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Um, but oh, you sorry. said jaundice. Yeah, I said jaundice Goku as well. Uh, <laughs> who doesn't even? He's not even worth mentioning. He does no, not. No, he doesn't matter. Jaundice Goku appears. That's that's it. Yeah, this video. Did we do? I feel like we did. The uh, the ultimate showdown. That like uh, the Neil Cicerega song. Did we do that for the I Patreon think... a while back? This. Like these movies feel like yes, people who we did. We did. To the, yeah, it's like someone listened to that song and was like, "This is so epic. This should be a film." That's what these movies are. Oh my god. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So Doug and the Nostalgia Critic continue to talk, and meanwhile, things are honestly doing fine for our characters. Like they know that the plot yeah. will approach, uh, and that that will. Film brain definitely knows. Film brain is wilding out, doing his film brain thing. Uh, Luke and Darth Vader are doing Luke and Darth Vader. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, we've, like, we've I don't want to fight you, but I will anyway. But I'm not yeah. going to kill you. Yo, man, remember when I saw that in a good movie? Uh, and then they shake hands as yep. Darth Vader dies. And then, anyway, we're almost there. We've made it. We're, we're so close. Uh, yet, at this point, and we're, we're so still far. 30 minutes away. Yeah. Um, oh we get God. even more dialogue from the Nostalgia Critic, from Doug and the Nostalgia Critic, where Doug, like, tells the Nostalgia Critic, like, you, you've grown, you're so important. This you is are so, so important. important. You are okay, my also, child, and I love you. Yeah. Doug, in this world, the Nostalgia Critic is free. Like, he steps outside, and he's no longer under house arrest, and he, like sighs heavily as he's looking out into the, the razor burn is so apparent and it goes like down his neck oh my so god it's also does clearly he not know what shaving thing. cream is yeah like that's the thing look i also like will uh, not infrequently nick myself shaving but like i don't have razor burn like but you, crazy like, because put a piece of tissue cream. against it and like yeah, exactly. don't, don't let it scab up like yeah i have laughed at that idea before though like the idea of it's like I had, like, slice an artery in my neck while I'm shaving, and I'm just sort of, like, calmly sitting there watching it just, like, spurt like a fountain. Dabbing a tr- tissue against it. Like, <laughs> like ah, hang on. I'm just, like, trying to finish shaving, and I found, like, dead half-shaved in front of the mirror. And, like, he probably could have saved himself if he just applied of- some pressure to the wound. One time, my dad was trimming his eyebrows, and he had set the razor to the wrong thing and shaved off one of his eyebrows. And then he <laughs> okay. went... Well, I gotta be symmetrical and purposely no. shaved off the no. other. <laughs> oh God. You know what? He's right. I stand with him. Um. Look, that's the thing. 
A guy with one shaved eyebrow, you go, what's the story there? A guy with no eyebrows, you go, that's a man who knows what he wants. Um, <laughs> no eyebrows and a full head of hair is really funny, though. Yeah, it's a man of mystery. What can you, what, you're like, <laughs> what is his story? Something like, well, happened. it's not alopecia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a very specific kind of alopecia. Um, <laughs> I have a uh, male pattern baldness. It only affects my eyebrows. That's the pattern. I have, I have male strange pattern baldness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I would love... I, and I'm just laughing at a guy who's like, oh, yeah, I have pattern baldness. I'm like, you mean male pattern? He's like, no, there's just like a zigzag stripe <laughs> going around his head. <laughs> uh, that's, oh, that one got me. I don't know why. <laughs> it's really stupid, but I'm just, I can't... A checkerboard head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we get John Goku. Um, yeah, John Goku. More Emperor Palpatine stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Darth Vader just... kills him, and then Cinema Snob and Luke are back together, happy again. Father and son, I guess. Yeah. Yay. Um, things are sort of... Let me... I'm going to reconsult my notes here. Let's take a look and see what we have here. Oh, uh, yes. Leather Daddy Doug walks into Robot Linkara. And I guess Robot Linkara is against Zod and Turl? It's yeah, not he's made sort of, clear. It's very clear that, like, Linkara just wanted his own, like, edgy OC to be doing his own thing. Which He's like the anti-hero, I, I guess. Yeah, anti-hero. Also known as the worst person in your D&D group. Like, yep. it's... It's not fun. He's um, a murder hobo. Yeah, he's a murder hobo, but he thinks he's cool. And that's the worst combo. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I accidentally scrolled down to the comments, and I just got two really great ones right next to each other. One person four years ago says, remember when we thought this was the low point? Um, which Oh, my brutal. God. And one more, which says, imagine if this was the only evidence of human existence. Sorry, what did you find? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I think Linkara is driving a ship called the Omnicron One. Oh. Hmm. Or the Comnicron One? Um, interesting. Much to consider. Um, um this is- I just wanted to point that out because I don't entirely know. what Either they he, like, predicted a strain of COVID or it's a communist joke. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it is crazy that the weapon that they make, they go, yes, we've made a man-made virus, coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, <laughs> COVID-19. We're unleashing it there. Um, um, but uh, the blue shell comes. The blue shell and shows kills up. The Death Star. Yeah, blows I up guess. the Death Star. Hooray! Uh, that's one less thing we have to worry about now going forward. Uh, Once again, we get really good makeup on Robot Linkara, where his eye is hanging out of its socket. Yeah. It looks it's cool. sick. Where was this effort? Everywhere else in the movie. Um, but He even, okay. like, has a chest panel? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, wait, hang on. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Looks all Which right. Seems, it looks all right. Um... I don't know why there's blood on it, because presumably he's a robot, but that's fine. Yeah, you know, look, we'll take what we can get. Uh, it looks cool. Anyway, uh, back to Doug and the Nostalgia Critic, which is a weird sentence. Yay. Um, uh, yes, he's like, I, 
I guess you can go outside, you important piece of internet history that means so much to so many people. Yeah, and he Doug also meets the uh, he meets the mysterious masked figure, not Mati. It is instead not Mati. It's the angry video game nerd, ever the consummate professional. He's done yet another cameo appearance in this, and Doug goes, "Oh yeah, I get. I bet that everyone in the audience guessed that plot a while back." And I'll admit. I didn't like I, I felt quite bad when he said that. I went, oh, no. How did Doug accidentally outsmart me with a plot twist? The scene uh, where he steps outside is fascinating or where he's about to step outside and oh, realize yeah, he doesn't have the ankle monitor on. Yeah, he like looks down and we get like his bare ankle. <laughs> we get like a slutty shot from the 19 like tins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doug, the scandalous wench that he is. Uh, <laughs> from 1890 like <laughs> his straight cut jeans yeah uh <laughs> you, were, you were clowning on his jeans um and his <laughs> shoes honestly it's a it's a crazy fit i see why he films from the waist up most of the time uh well I, now that i'm back to looking at his face no i don't but uh it's uh we all play the hand that we're dealt um, um more mati more it's it's just nostalgia critic being like, why do I exist? And Doug being like, you are important to so many. It's literally like Trump's speech on January 6th. We yeah, love Doug you. Doug looks this out. Go You're home. very special. It's time to go home. Um, man. Honestly, Trump could have saved this movie if he was in it. Um, I just love... Yeah, because you know he wouldn't have been holding back. He just would have been relentlessly mean to all of them. And he would have been right for it. Uh, he would have been. So yeah, the plot uh, the plot hole starts to consume the whole world. It continues to grow. Um, and we get a couple more, I think, like, cameo appearances or, like, fan submissions. Because there's just, like, random shots of, like, people sitting there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fan submissions for sure. And also, and we, one it, it, bum bum reviews. Reviews. yeah, our old enemy. Um, and Which as the Doug bottle, somehow looks younger in bum reviews costume, it's very weird. Yeah, it's actually yeah, you're right. This is hmm. he looks like 20 years younger. I don't know if it's just because the hairline or the lack of glasses or just like the light in his eyes, but yeah, hmm. this is yeah much to consider. I also haven't had like yep. a good solid look at bum reviews in a minute, and I forgot how lazy this costume was. Anyway, uh, the plot hole consumes all, basically. Yeah, it it grows to consume our all of our characters. They all like they Lindsay and I mean not Lindsay, uh, Lupa and Todd hold hands as the plot hole consumes them. Uh, and then nostalgia critic reaches out and grabs the plot hole, which. I don't know what that's supposed to signify, but it pulsates through him. Yeah, and it make it radiate up his body as it's also like consuming the whole world. We also get a shot of Doug looking at the nostalgia critic with a sort of furrowed brow, as though he doesn't know what's going on, which I kind of like. Uh, the, the script has even gotten away from Doug at this point. He's like, I don't know. Really <laughs> And then uh, all the characters are back in the fields that was at the end of Suburban Nights, I think, right? Yes. Well, almost all the characters. Uh, we get another Except for Santa Christ. 
Yeah, well, Santa, yeah, who brings the other missing character? Because one of the first things someone says is, any sign of spooning? Another character just faintly goes, no. Which, again, like I said, it's it feels like a serial killer sending letters to the police when I watch these old videos. And there's so many bits about, like, Spoonie's empty home, and they can't find him. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, oh, well. Uh, yeah, and then Santa Christ, beloved Rob Walker character, shows up and brings Spoonie with him. So Not Spoonie. Right, Dr. yes. Insano. How could I forget? Dr. Insano. The other evil Spoonie. Um, but not the evil Spoonie. That's a different not Spoonie. Not the evil Spoonie. A different character who was killed by the blue shell, presumably. And then uh, we get uh, a Doug character. What Doug character is that? Where he's in, like, he has the pipe? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, what's his name? It's, uh, my goodness. The point is that he's, like, a pretentious guy. I don't remember his pretentious name. Pretentious man. Yeah. Uh, one second. I can't, I hate that I'm doing this. I'm just going to type in Doug Walker characters and see if I can find it. That's bad. Uh, yeah. And then they're in basically, like, a backyard party at this, like, swanky mid-century house. It's with, like, murals on the wall and... It's very weird. I don't I want to know which yeah. one of them lives there or if it was like an Airbnb situation or like what? It's fa- uh, it's literally he's called that guy with the robe, I believe. That um, guy with the robe. We get another shirtless character for some reason. I don't know why. The plot is resolved with Lupin Todd in the shadows where she's like, I will go on a date with you, except she waves at red shirt man in the background. It's like, oh, yeah, which. Don't really know what to make of that, but it can't mean anything good. Um, did, sorry, were you? Did you comment on like the very weird, like the the hula girl mural yes. with her tits out? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, this this movie is horny to the to its dying breath. Uh, Cowboy uh, Bebop still has some Cowboy Bebop left in her. Which great, and then the nostalgia critic looks on as like a force ghost with Hawaiian shirt. And, uh, and the the stock image of uh, Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker, which decent. <laughs> I didn't hate that. Um, I didn't hate it either. It took me by surprise. Yeah, we were both just startled by it, but uh, you know, it got a chuckle out of me, so I appreciate that. I'll I'll take it. Uh, so it's kind of like Doug Walker dies, so the rest of them, or not Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic dies, so the rest of them can live, right? Yeah, the nostalgia critic. Yeah, he gives his own life, uh, so the world may live. Doug Walker dies for us. Merry Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it does. So it quite literally yeah. does. So Doug cast himself as Jesus, is what I'm saying here, everybody. <laughs> um, and then we get the end credits, which I don't think we watched. Um, we didn't. Uh, well, hang on. Sorry, there's a post-credit scene. One second. What is this? What? It, it's short, but hang on. Someone. It's Ask That Guy. Oh, it's the uh, Ask That Guy is his name. Thank you. That, the sci-fi guy, the one who's killed by an orbital laser strike. I guess Doug realized that he never sewed up that neat little plot hole. Uh, and so it is a, how, there's rubble and that, that the sci-fi guy shows up covered in charcoal. And he like sits up and he's like, oh man, my landlord's going to be real mad about this. Uh, and then it ends. So don't worry, sci-fi guy fans. He was not oh. actually killed. 
Doug wasn't Marty, Rob was. Oh, somehow that makes it even worse. Also, hmm. the original Marty is uh, also credited, which is good. Good for him. Yeah, good on him. Get that bag. Um, if there's one thing I know about these movies, it's that people were paid for them. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah, we uh, one final bit of like I said, we talked about the there's last a Jillian in this movie. Fascinating. Mm. Interesting. Much to consider. Script Jillian, supervisor. where were you in this film? You, Script so it's supervisor you. slash intern. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, awesome. I uh, but like I said, we talked about the, last the karaoke song was um, written by Doug. Oh, I can tell. Um, I believe it's science was written by Rob. Fantastic. Crush of Boots was written by Sad Panda. I can't know that name. I don't remember how. I don't know. But they're tied up in some other channel awesome thing, if I remember right. Uh, but, like I said, we talked about the weird hula girl mural. That's the last bit of horniness from the movie. That's not the last bit of misogyny from the movie, though, because Angry Joe, in, like, one of the last, like, moments of the film, tries to put his arm around Lindsay Ellis, and she, like, shrugs him off, and then just calls her a bitch and walks away. It's uh, crazy! So- <laughs> I'm not entirely clear on what the joke is supposed to be there. Like, the joke is she's a bitch, Matt. Yeah, that is the way that it feels in the movie. It's like, well, he sure <laughs> showed her. Yeah, well, uh, okay. Well, she yeah. shouldn't have said no, and it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's the same as the scene in like uh, Suburban Nights where there's the it, the one that like made I like astral projected to another world <laughs> when I saw it, where it's like a. One of the girls is like firing a gun and Angry Joe's next to her and he goes, this is strangely hot. And then also starts firing a gun. Um, and I, oh my God, I hate these movies so much. I'm, I guess next year it's The Wall. Next year it's probably The Wall. And then, yeah, we'll talk. I've been thinking we might, uh, you know, we'll leave it on mic. Why not? Some, some speculation. Keep the, okay. keep the listeners yeah. guessing. I've been thinking we could also we could start branching out again into like other channel awesome creators as well. Sort of shift away from the Doug centric thing now that his arc is sort of coming to an end. Um, Where he's killed so, off the nostalgia critic now. Yeah, he killed off. And it's worth noting also, he did not tell any of the people in this movie that he was going to be killing off the nostalgia critic. All of um, their jobs kind of got jeopardized by being in this movie, which is crazy. Yeah. Fortunately, he then made. An incredibly successful follow-up to this, which is to say... The review must go on? You must go on. Um, I mean, uh, what's what's the thing called? Hang on, because that's the end. Um, goodness, what's the name of the show? Demo Reel? Demo Reel, thank you. Yeah, he made Demo Reel, which was very successful, and the Nostalgia Critic never had to come back. So, mm-hmm. what a chilling bit of media the review must go on is. Um, it's insane. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. I'm glad we've already done Demo Reel, because looking down that barrel would be terrible. It'd be very grim. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, we'll, uh, we might be throwing in some other channel awesome cr- content creators. We can start looking at Lindsay Ellis's videos, perhaps, or uh, go deep <laughs> down into the Spoonie rabbit hole. Investigate Maybe we should Anchor watch Joe. Quentin Reviews' video of this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll pair that with Lindsay Ellis. <laughs> Uh, we'll chortle you know. at the thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> what a 
powerful figure. I would love to just live inside the mind briefly of someone who needed Quentin reviews to tell them this movie's bad. Oh, it's uh, crazy. Like, I thought that was this was good. And then my savior, Quentin Reviews, yeah. told me it yeah. wasn't. And I can't help but agree. Yeah, I, I've been forced to confront that. made some very cogent points. Um, anyway, so listeners, thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. We hope you had a decent Merry Christmas. Christmas. We hope your holidays Happy New Year. Well. Happy New Year. Um, I will be reaching out to the guys from Animorphing Time. They'll be on at some point in January. Probably not. Hell next yeah. Because probably not. My life is crumbling around me as we speak, and I'm working. Maybe. On, uh, or you're rebuilding maybe. it. Who can tell? I I like to think it's a little bit of both. You know, I. It's crumbling, and you're like trying to put it back together as it's falling apart. Yeah. My look, my life is crumbling, but I'm building it upon a foundation of sand, which the Bible teaches like, me the place you want to build your house. It's like playing Jenga, where you're pulling yes. a piece out of the base, but you're placing it on top. Yeah. So you're going upwards, but at what cost? It hasn't fallen over yet, and the longer I put it off, the more spectacular it will be when it does. <laughs> so, truly a heinous year for me. Uh, just full of just unpleasantness, and I'm going to just put money on it. No way it keeps getting worse, right? Unless. Um, unless subscribe to the Patreon, and who knows? Maybe you'll hear when it does. Uh, do you have any final words of wisdom before we deliver our not outro? I don't think so. Well, oh, hey, follow us on social media. We don't really post yeah, there. But, uh, do, it. do it. Maybe we'll start posting if you follow us. Hmm? Build it and we will come, listener. Um, <laughs> it's your job to build something for us. Build us a fan base and we'll start making good, good content. Maybe. Uh, we promise. Maybe. That's my New Year's resolution, which I intend to keep. All right. We no longer have an outro.